we recorded this episode of Table Talk a little earlier in the year. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to Table Talk, the Spectator's food and drink podcast. I'm Lara Prendergast. And I'm Olivia Potts. Today on Table Talk, we're delighted to be joined by the cartoonist Griselda. Griselda is one of Britain's best-known cartoonists. Her cartoons have appeared everywhere, from Private Eye, New Statesman, The Times, Sunday Times, Independent, The Big Issue, The Lady, The Oldie, and, of course, The Spectator. She published her first cartoon in Private Eye when she was just 16, and has now worked as a cartoonist for 30 years. In 2018, she was named Pocket Cartoonist of the Year. Griselda, welcome to Table Talk. That was uh, quite an introduction. Thank you. Hello. We're going to start where we always do, at the beginning, and ask you, what are your earliest memories of food? Oh, goodness. Rusks, probably, uh, though not my own, my, um, my little brother's rusks. Yeah, do you know what rusks are? Yeah, for teething. Little biscuits, right? Yeah, with milk. Yeah, I remember those. And so were you stealing them off your little brother? Was that what was Absolutely, going on? Yeah. <laughs> And what's the age difference? Presumably you weren't 17. Three when he was born. Right. So yeah. A good age for rusk stealing. And what what were mealtimes like at home? Yeah, they were great. They were very chaotic. And there were quite a few of us. There was five children. So we'd all sit around the table. Uh, it was a very small table. And there wasn't really room for everyone. I sat on a bench with my brothers. And uh, we just used to have elbow fights the whole time. But yeah, it was a real, you know, family eating moment, which um, isn't quite so common nowadays. At every single meal, breakfast, lunch and dinner, we were all sat around the table. And what about attitudes to food when you were having those meals? Was it a sort of you eat what you're given and you don't leave the table until everyone's finished situation? Or were you fussy? Um, I was very fussy, but yeah, no, it's definitely the time of uh, when you eat you eat what's in front of you and you mm. um yeah and if you didn't want to eat it you had to surreptitiously hide it or um, <laughs> get it into a tissue on your lap or hide it under the cutlery or yeah because otherwise there would just be a huge scene so <laughs> and and who was doing most of the cooking in the household oh my mum did it all yeah <laughs> apart from a couple of times uh, she went on holiday to Ireland with one of my brothers Oh my god! Yeah, that's that's probably my first memory of food. Was my mum going away and having to eat my elder brother's cooking? He did mince for us one day, and it was literally just mince. <laughs> and then rice just turned into like wallpaper paste. And of course, you know, the rest of us just couldn't even eat it. And uh, my dad just went ballistic. I like, eat it, eat it. <laughs> <laughs> About that. And what sort of things would your mum be cooking usually? Macaroni cheese, that was very nice. Uh, she did a really lovely lasagna with mince cooked properly. Cottage pie, shepherd's pie as a, a mince thing. <laughs> big big uh, sharing dishes. Yes, Lo- lovely roast dinner on Sunday, like roast chicken or roast lamb. And then every Monday she did um, she did a curry using the meat left over from Sunday. And if there wasn't any meat, she would be experimental and sometimes would do an egg curry, fine, absolutely fine, or a corned beef 
corned beef curry, <laughs> which was just revolting, as you can imagine. Uh, but yeah, no, she's a good cook. Yeah, she still is. And, and what about school food? Do you have happy memories of school food? Yeah, well, it was very good, the school food at my primary school. It was like a big slap-up meal. I'm quite a fussy eater, so it wasn't always great, but it was, you know, good, solid, tasty pies and things. And then when I went to secondary school, I kind of it was around the time of Thatcher, and it got replaced. These lovely big meals got replaced with a bag of crisps, basically. I was like, <coughs> went from, you know, a great big meal to a bag of crisps. Obviously, I would have spent the rest of my dinner money on something else, so that was all... <laughs> Funny, <laughs> left to buy a bag of crisps and a yogurt or something. Yeah, it was pretty miserable the whole way through secondary school. And did you learn to cook from your mother? Were you in the kitchen when she was, or were you not interested? I don't think I was really interested. I, I was there to kind of help make a cake, as in just kind of clean the mixing bowl after she'd put the cake in the cake tin, but. No, I don't. I don't think I. I think I was taught, but I didn't retain any of the information whatsoever. <laughs> so presumably, when you were at school, that was when you first sent your cartoons in to, to private eye. So were you? Yeah, no. It was uh, one random cartoon that I. I didn't even think up the joke. It was my my sister's boyfriend brought up the joke, <laughs> and he he nagged me. Went, go on, draw it up, send it in. Draw it up, send it in. I was like, no, it's not funny enough. Draw it up. Send <laughs> Eventually, just to shut him up, I did. And private, I printed it. And what, what was what was the joke? It it was. And it might be a bit lost in the passage of time. But <laughs> the, uh, about the time there was all the rage with the Frankie goes to Hollywood T-shirts. Frankie, Frankie says relax. Frankie says this. Frankie says that. It was, you know, t- anyway, it was it was somebody walking along with a T-shirt saying Frankie goes to the bank. It was quite good, quite funny cartoon anyway so I just thought yeah he made it fantastic on the cartoonist and then there was a a gap of a year before any other <laughs> any other cartoons <laughs> so, yeah. and so after school you went to university tell us about that and your memories of of food from that that period well my, the, the first meal I cooked was a, a repeat of my brother's favorite famous um mince charcoal mince I cooked that a few times until somebody I was living with said oh I think you need to add onions and garlic and a tin of tomatoes maybe everyone's a critic (laughs) (laughs) and uh, maybe don't cook it quite so vigorously (laughs) yes that was that (laughs) was the first the first um, thing I experimented with yeah, do you know, it's like the spectator went through its um, contacts list and it thought, who could be the worst possible person to have on a programme about? <laughs> <laughs> you say that, but actually, Olivia and I have often talked about this, a lot of our guests aren't particularly necessarily interested in food so much, but we always get interesting stories from, even from people who aren't necessarily the most interested in food. I think it just forms such a part of people's lives. <laughs> that that it gives us a a nice window into them. <laughs> and, and when you were at university, Griselda, were you were you still drawing a lot at that point? Was that when you started sort of really getting going? Uh, yes, I spent pretty much the whole the whole three years doing cartoons uh, uh, on a degree that was not cartooning. 
it was very, very useful for um, my future living and everything, but it had absolutely nothing to do with what I was studying. So, I mean, you just wouldn't get away with that now, but it was free. So, yeah, anyway. And did you then, after university, did you then move to London? I did. And so was that in the, was that in the early 80s or when? when, when was no, that? what do you think I am? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to work out the dates on the... Was that the early night? Was that the early nineties then? There was a bit of a bit of retakes going on along the way. <laughs> yes, yes. Moved to London. So that's where all my family and friends were, and and we continued the. Um... Oh no, I was vegetarian by then, so I did um, a, a form of the mince meal, but with lentils. So kind of burnt black lentils with rice. So tell us about the decision that led to becoming a vegetarian. I mean, was it the mince? Was that the culprit? <laughs> um, no, it was just that I didn't really have any money at university and meat was expensive and I didn't know how to cook it anyway. And it made me look cool and right on if I was um, vegetarian. So, <laughs> so I went vegetarian. It, it really unsound reasons. Yeah, and, you know, just, yeah. And then, and then I left and my, I went on holiday, big family holiday with loads of cousins and my mum did a big picnic with ham and cheese sandwiches and that was the end of that so (laughs) (laughs) and what what was life like in the early 90s in terms of eating and drinking were there lots of restaurants you were going to were you cooking for yourself what what was life like back then no again I had absolutely no money I had a part-time job and then spent the rest of the time doing cartoons which I mean I I mean you get paid peanuts now I got you paid like in segments of peanuts back in those days I did so much work for free or for like ridiculous amounts of money so I didn't didn't have any money so no restaurants are like maybe once a year I mean really that we, we went to the pub and drank but you know I didn't go to didn't go to restaurants obviously been cartooning for lots of very well-known magazines were there lots of parties that were going on that you could you could go to at, at the magazines no not really no private eye i've always had good parties but um i didn't really get invited to one of them till late 90s and that was great and spectator party i've been invited to but i'm i'm quite shy so i haven't managed to make it to that one and new statesman invited me to a party once when gordon brown was in power oh that was it they never invited me again I didn't go. (laughs) (laughs) So party's not your bag then? Not. If I know everyone there, I'll go. Like the private eyes. I worked in the office there for a while, so I knew people. So that didn't seem quite so scary. But the um, the spectator party, it just looks like it's all um, rich people and politicians and things. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of politicians. (laughs) (laughs) You can't move for cabinet members <laughs> I was going to ask you Griselda because a lot of your cartoons they do have a food or you know you often set them in restaurants or there's one that I love of yours which I think has maybe even been turned into a greetings card that says is everything okay you haven't photographed your food yet <laughs> which I feel just kind of sums up everything in the last decade do, I mean do you do you think food is a good sort of inspiration for cartoonists and the, and the kind of settings where people dine yeah I think I think it is uh, and certainly the restaurants was 
But of course now, every cartoon, you've got to draw people with um, a mask over their face. You know, cartoons following COVID guidelines. <laughs> so you have to have everyone socially distanced within the... Yes, exactly. And also you've had to go from, like, drawing portrait to landscape. But yes, so, you know, people sat around a, a table eating and drinking is, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just a, a setting for um, whatever a joke is being said. But yeah, I haven't done any restaurant cartoons for a while. Not since... November. Tell us about your process for for drawing cartoons. What comes first? Right. Well, I I just sort of scrawl loads of um, ideas down, but in drawing format, not writing format. Mm-hmm. So I fill my um, cartoon notebooks. I have one here. I know this is actually a radio thing, but there. Oh wow! Oh, wow. <laughs> That was for listeners. That was a page with all kinds of little drawings on, filling the whole whole page. <laughs> um, yeah, then uh, it just kind of doodles and doodles and doodles, and then um, just just yeah, and then and then just go through it and try and make them funny. And very success. Do you have certain characters that you you sort of return? Like, are there sort of characters who you sort of picture and you return to, or are they are they all different people and they sort of arrive as they come? No, well, there's just sort of like stock, stock people. I've got a stock woman, stock man, and then a stock child. Kind of sometimes they they look the same, but the, the female version of the child has bunches. And a, oh, stock, not stock old woman, stock old man, stock policeman, stock police woman. Yeah, just yeah, not observed at all. I mean, think the complete opposite of Heath or someone. Have you always drawn your cartoons in the same style? Did it take you a while to find your particular, your sort of signature style? How did it come about? I think it just sort of evolves all the time. I mean, you could look at cartoons by somebody from, you know, a couple of years ago, and they'd probably be slightly different to how they are now. So they just sort of change all the time. But mine have changed just recently, so I've started finally drawing on the um, iPad and uh, rediscovered drawing. I, I I didn't ever used to like drawing on paper. It's been the worst part of the cartoon process. But now I'm drawing on my iPad with my £100 worth of Apple Pencil. (laughs) (laughs) Tax deductible, it's fine. And yes, they've got slightly better drawn recently, even if I do say so myself. (laughs) And are there cartoons that you're particularly proud of? Are there some that you kind of really remember? I mean, have you done so many now that they're all slightly blur i've done quite a few uh, there, there are there are a few that i remember uh, <laughs> and i really like and and tell us about the world of cartoon i mean is there a sort of camaraderie between cartoonists do you do you like obviously or rivalry not ne- or rivalry not not necessarily at the moment obviously because it's hard to meet up with anyone <laughs> but you know in normal times would you be hanging out with cartoonists would you be having dinners with them what's what's it like the life of a cartoonist it, it's I think it's quite lonely I think I make it worse for myself by not really doing much cartoon socializing but when I have it's it's just been really lovely to to meet other other cartoonists bastards other cartoonists. <laughs> uh, yeah and then you, you have you have people whose who's work you just really admire and it's always a pleasure to meet them I, I met uh, Robert Thompson was so exciting. We were so drunk. 
all I know is is that I met him. I've no idea what I said to him. (laughs) (laughs) Robert Robertson, it's so lovely to meet you. And then the rest is a blur. (laughs) (laughs) Who are the other cartoonists who you really admire? Ken Pine, who's fantastic. Actually, I meet up with him. Obviously not at the moment. Uh, Nick Newman is great. Uh, Robert Thompson. Catherine Lamb, I think, is a genius. RGJ. I think Bernie's good. Yeah, it's all the people who are kind of doing similar stuff to me, just sort of, yeah, gags. You know, they'll I'll see their work and I'll think, oh, God, I wish I'd thought about that. If, if <laughs> I think I like them. Banks, another good one. And then there's a, there's a few uh, slightly newer people. Sarah Boyce is very good. Is that is that a hard world to break into? I, you know, I don't really know. I mean, I think it probably is now just because the amount of work to the amount of money you get it's yeah not a great ratio um if you're starting out in life and you you know you've got high rent you've got student loans I don't know, it's I, I think it's much more difficult whereas by the time you're middle-aged you know and you if you're lucky you're coming up to paying off your mortgage and if you have children, they've probably left home and aren't costing, well, they probably are still costing just as much, but you don't need as much money. So you can afford to, you can, you, you can afford to do it. But I, th- I think for people starting out, it's, it's uh, ferocious. But then having said that, there's like loads of new opportunities, uh, which I'm too old to know about, but you know, in the internet, on the internet, there's all <laughs> sorts of uh, stuff apparently. As I mean, I must've given you a, you know, cartoons are presumably shared quite easily on on Twitter or on Instagram, for instance. Has that has that been a good thing? Do you think for for cartoonists? I, I, yeah, I, I think it, I think it probably has. I, I did set up an Instagram account, uh, Griselda Cartoons, for showcasing uh, each week, each day, uh, some excellent cartoons, and 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 then I just started putting the odd photo of my dog on it, and just ended up with hundreds of golden retriever fans <laughs> <laughs> and i'd get three likes of the dog on the beach and i'd get 50 likes so it's just completely been taken over by my dog and also it felt like work having to put cartoons on instagram it just felt like it felt like work whereas going down the beach and like taking a quick photo you know cropping it bloody blah putting it on the internet by the time i got home again it's like yeah he's gone viral you know so um, that was more fun than um, cartoons work. <laughs> you mentioned lockdown earlier, changing the settings for cartoons and that they can't be set in restaurants or round parties or people seeing each other anymore. How has, how has lockdown changed the way you live your life? I and mean, obviously from a food point of view, we're interested in, in has it changed the way you eat or cook? I completely forgot what we were talking about food. <laughs> <laughs> pulling it back to food, always pulling it back. <laughs> Has it changed? Well, look, you've got to eat a lot more, I guess. There's nothing else to do. Mm. <laughs> have you been cooking more? Or what have you been cooking, if, if not? I, mean, I suppose cooking more because there's no chance of going to a restaurant. Um, yeah, my cooking's improved. I mean, it's not all black burnt mints anymore. It's um, a bit more... Well, I mean, not that much better, but it's a bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, try, trying to eat, trying to support local shops. So just 
totally overdosing on stuff from the greengrocers at mm. the moment and uh and the local sainsbury's and uh i don't know doing sausages tonight uh, with, some, uh, with some broccoli and probably some sweet potato uh <laughs> there's a courgette that needs using up i might fry that you know <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> are you someone who follows recipes or do you just freestyle I've, I've got four cookery books and I think I've, I've one recipe in each one, which I now know a variation of off by heart. So uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> what would tell us about which books are you reliant on? Well, I've got the uh, Covent Garden Soup book, which must be about 30 years old now. They do a spinach soup from that. Well, I don't know if it's the same as the recipe anymore, but it's like a bag of, bag of spinach and some, and some stock, basically. Oh, uh, yeah, actually, Delia Smith's cookbook, that's another one that's 30 years old. That's um, I Do Her Moussaka. Oh, Delia's Moussaka's good. <laughs> Moment. <laughs> Even my Moussaka is good. Um, <laughs> uh, the other one is a, a vegetable book, which actually, I have to confess, I haven't actually opened that one. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a sweet tooth? Yes, yes, absolutely. What, what kind of sweet things do you like? Anything. Uh, chocolate, mostly. <laughs> Uh, banana cake. I make a lot of banana cakes because I kind of kid myself that they're healthy because they've got bananas in them and eggs. They're healthy. Yeah, chocolate. I think chocolate, really. I, I can't eat, sorry, really poncy and hovey, but I, I can't eat wheat. It um, makes me bloat up like a pregnant walrus. So I'm kind of restricted to chocolate. Yeah. Mm. No biscuits. And and what's what's comfort food for you? God. I think carbohydrates, stodgy carbohydrate. So big bowl of macaroni cheese or big bowl of veggie lasagna or, you know, something like that. Peanut butter on toast. And if you go to the corner shop with, say, a couple of quid in your pocket, what are you getting as a as a corner shop treat? <laughs> packet of fags. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Long time since a packet of fags cost two quid, yeah. <laughs> Probably a bottle of wine, to be honest. It would have to be an off-licence corner shop, but... They all are now. Chocolate, chocolate. It would be chocolate, yeah. What chocolate... Go on, indulge us. What chocolate bar would you go for? Really like white chocolate, so <laughs> milky bar. Nice. It's, if it's a posh place, they might have a posh white chocolate they've got. Or milk chocolate, or... Yeah. We normally end with a question about... What, what would be your desert island meal? <laughs> Um, I think it would have to be a really lovely stodgy um, mince, not cooked by my brother, uh, mince <laughs> with chopped up greens and a bottle of wine. Yum. Sounds pudding. delicious. Yeah. Griselda, thank you so much for joining Table Talk. And if listeners are looking to follow Griselda on either Instagram, she's Griselda Cartoons there, or on Twitter, she's Griselda G. And obviously any Golden Retriever fans will also find lots of material there. So Griselda, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for joining us on the Spectator's Food and Drink podcast. For more recipes, food history, stories and drinks, you can head to the Spectator website. Subscribe to The Spectator this summer and get the next 10 weeks of the magazine, as well as unlimited access to our website and app for just £10. Not only that, we'll send you a bottle of PIMS absolutely free. 
only while stocks last. So go to www.spectator.co.uk forward slash PIMS to claim this offer now.